Welcome to the Chiefs of the North, hosted by Branton Walker. I'm originally from Kansas, currently living in Minnesota, and I'm a diehard Chiefs fan, and that is where Chiefs of the North comes in. On this podcast, we'll talk all sports, mainly NFL, and of course, the Kansas City Chiefs. So on this episode, I'll be discussing week nine of the NFL season and why the Chiefs maybe started their bye week a little bit early. Let's get into it. I want to start off by talking about my surprise of the weekend, and that would be the Saints crushing the Buccaneers. That was unbelievable, and it was 31 to nothing at halftime. I mean, that game was over in the second quarter, and I thought Tampa would get revenge after losing week one in New Orleans. They've been playing well. Brady's got more comfortable. The defense can just cause fits to other teams. That wasn't the case at all. That was one of the most well-rounded games a team has played all year, and I thought it was a pretty poor game plan by the Buccaneers. Now, a couple stats from that game. There's only five or six quarterbacks that have a winning record against Brady in his career. Breeze has the best record against Brady. He's now 5-2 and two head-to-head against him. And there's only one other quarterback in Brady's illustrious career that has beaten him by more than 30 points. And I wish I had a guest on right now because I could throw that trivia question at him. Any guesses? Do, 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 do. Dude, okay. Anyway, it was Drew Bledsoe with Buffalo back in 2003. Beat New England in the season opener 31 to nothing in Buffalo. But then the Patriots finished 14 to 2 and won the Super Bowl that year. But only Brady's second loss by more than 30 points in what, 20 years? And now Drew Brees has the best win percentage, most wins against Tom Brady. I also think Brady has seven picks this season, and five of them have been against Tampa Bay. So it could just be a thing where it's a matchup problem, like last year. Green Bay did not match up well with San Francisco and got blasted the two games they played. The Bucs have gotten stomped the two games they played against New Orleans. So it could just be that the Buccaneers do not match up well with New Orleans. But the Saints have kind of flown under the radar this year. And, you know, and Thomas has missed most of the season and he was back. Now his stat line wasn't impressive, but him being in the game, you know, the defense is aware of him, frees up Kamara, frees up other guys. You can't put as many guys in the box. So uh, just his presence on the field makes a huge difference. If the Saints can play like that, which, you know, it's hard to do, they're going to be a real force in the NFC. Impressive performance. Big win for the Saints. Tampa Bay kind of fell back to earth. You know, if you put pressure on Brady, you know, get physical with the receivers, he struggles. He really struggles. And he looks like an average quarterback. But if you give him time back there, he'll pick you apart. And uh, the Saints, both games now, have done a great job disrupting his rhythm and what he likes to do. So I I couldn't believe they won by 35. That was crazy, especially because I thought Tampa Bay was going to win. Monday Night Football, we had the Patriots and Jets, which I don't know how many people are watching, but I truly believe the Jets are just allergic to winning. (laughs) They just do not know how to win. Up 10, you're like, oh man, they're going to get their first one of the season. And then New England wins it late. You know, one and eight or oh and nine doesn't matter for the Jets at this point. I truly believe they just don't know how to win. But at the same time, you know, tank for Trevor is a thing. Is there another guy? You know, Lawrence has missed a few games now with Clemson. Is there another guy, maybe Fields or somebody else that can can jump into the mix for the number one spot? But it doesn't do the Jets any good to win. It just doesn't. Their season is lost. Uh, Gaze is a, uh, you know, I don't know what he's doing there. I have no clue how they're holding on to him. And it just makes me think that they're okay losing. <laughs> you know, if you fire Gaze, 
You're trying to shake up the system. You're trying to revive the team, bring new life, renew energy. They're not trying to do that. I think Gaze is a lame duck right now, lame duck coach, but they'll, they'll play it out because they're so bad and they're worse with him on the sidelines. And I think they want that number one pick. Can they go 0-16? It very well could happen. Another you know, matchup that, that wasn't you know, very appealing was the 1-6 Jaguars and the 1-6 Texans. You know, Deshaun Watson is definitely the best player between those two teams, but it ended up being a good game score-wise, 27-25, but don't have much else to say about that game other than <laughs> two of the worst teams in the league facing off, and those are never uh, fun to watch unless it's your team. So Green Bay, Thursday night, you know, got revenge against the beat-up 49ers. Again, the Niners smacked them both times last year, but Green Bay did what you're supposed to do. You were favored, you're the better team, and you beat up a really injury-depleted roster. It was a short week now. On a Thursday night, you know, road teams struggle on Thursday nights, but they did what they're supposed to do, and they showed that they're a pretty good team. Again, being the favorite, Niners are banged up, you know, Kittle's out, Garoppolo's out. They're down to like their 19th running back. <laughs> they have guys all over the place injured, so... You know, Vintage Rodgers, he seems like he's having fun again. LaFleur has got that team rolling. And I don't know Green Bay's schedule. You've got Green Bay 6-2, and two, the Saints 6-2, and two, I think Seattle 6-2, and two, Tampa 6-3. and three. But Green Bay, I think, is in a pretty good position to get home field. I, I think they play the Bears. They have the Jaguars coming up. So, you know, Seattle plays in the NFC West, which is the toughest division of football. Tampa is up against it because they've already lost to the Saints twice, so need to finish a game ahead of them. They have no tiebreaker in that scenario. The Saints, again, I know the Chiefs play them later in the season. I don't know the Saints' schedule, so I think you're looking at Green Bay and New Orleans as the two teams fighting for home field. There's going to be one of those teams that gets home field. You know, an entertaining game. I didn't get to see it because I was watching the Chiefs-Panthers, but Seattle-Buffalo, you know, 44-34. to What an entertaining game. And I know Seattle made it close late. I think they were trailing by 15 or 20 most of that game. You know, Allen is so hot and cold. I mean, he hadn't thrown a touchdown pass the last two weeks, but then he drops over 403 passing touchdowns. Wilson, you know, uncharacteristically had four turnovers, two interceptions and two fumbles. But he's being asked to do so much more. There's so much pressure on him because that defense cannot stop anybody. It reminds me of the Chiefs a couple years ago when every time... Mahomes had the ball. You figured he had to score because the defense couldn't stop anybody. It's the same thing with Seattle. They can't stop anybody. So Wilson, every time he gets in that huddle, it's probably like, man, we got to go down and get six. It's putting pressure on him and he's making mistakes he's not accustomed to making. I mean, two of the last three weeks now they've lost and two of the last three games he's had double digit turnovers. I mean, four turnovers from Russell Wilson, that just doesn't happen. Again, the defense is not helping out at all and it's it's forcing them into to decisions and mistakes that he's not used to making. But that is going to be their Achilles heel. It is. I mean, they play in that brutal division, but they cannot stop anybody. So, you know, I think a nice win for Buffalo, you know, to keep keeping the race in the AFC for home field and a, and a high seed. Bad loss for Seattle. You know, no shame in losing to Buffalo, but it's the way they lost. I think they were down 27 to 10. I think they were down 41 to 20 in the fourth. I mean, Seattle scored some touchdowns late, but they got blown out. That score wasn't an indication of how wide the gap was in that game. Another entertaining game, you know, Dolphins, Cardinals, Tua versus Murray. You know, Tua's only played two games, and I was really surprised when Miami made the decision to switch from Fitzpatrick to him. I thought that Fitzpatrick is playing well, and it, it would give them a better chance to make the playoffs. They've gone to Tua, and he's 2-0. and Now, he didn't look good his first game, but he had much better numbers uh, this last game. That was an impressive win going into Arizona. Miami, last year, I think, started off 0-8, 0-9, something like that, and we're getting smacked around most of the games and then they won three of their final four or three uh three or four games late something like that and they had, had all these draft picks had a really good offseason 
And I keep saying, and I thought that Miami was maybe two to three years away from being competitive. They are way ahead of schedule, way ahead of schedule. And at five and three, they would be in the playoffs right now. So I think their future is extremely bright in Miami, and they're definitely uh, on track and, and doing things the right way. Arizona, what can you say about Kyler Murray? He's one of the most entertaining guys in the league and one of the most dangerous weapons in football. He beats you with his legs. He's so quick. He's shifty. He's small, so he's hard to get to. He's got a really good arm, but he still makes decisions late in games that you scratch your head. Like, what are you doing? What were you thinking there? But tough loss for Arizona, you know, to lose on, missed a field goal with a minute or so to go. But every game they're in is so entertaining. Just a couple weeks ago, they played Seattle and it was overtime in the 30s, something like that. Same thing with Miami, Arizona, 34-31. So they're entertaining to watch. Murray is exciting. They're in every game. He just makes some decisions late, but they're five and three and they would be in the playoffs as well if it started today. So you've got two young quarterbacks. I think Miami feels like, you know, two is their guy. Kyler Murray, I think, has shown already he's the guy in Arizona. It was an exciting game. I mean, you can't ask, ask for much more uh, than what that matchup provided. Let's talk about an individual player, Dalvin Cook. Man, how good is he? Over 200 rushing yards against the Lions. He seems to always have a 70-yard touchdown every Sunday. He's good. And is he the best running back in football? You can make the argument. I truly believe that McCaffrey is the best all-around running back, but it, it would be hard to argue Dalvin Cook at this point. And the thing is, it's not like the, the Vikings have a very good offensive line and they have a ton of weapons. I mean, their quarterback is Cousins. The tight end has great hands, Rudolph, but he's not going to beat anybody deep. He's not really that big of a threat. I mean, Jefferson's a stud. Thielen's sure-handed. But their offense isn't explosive or loaded, and so, you know, they sometimes get extra guys in the box, and he's still lighting teams up. I mean, can they continue to run for 150 or 200 yards? I don't know, but they've won back-to-back games just feeding the ball to Cook. And if you look, they're not asking Cousins to do much. He's not throwing the ball very much. And it shows a couple things. One, the Vikings don't have a lot of faith and confidence in Cousins. And two, the Vikings are way better off handing the ball to Cook and and not throwing it. I mean, when you let Cousins throw it 30 plus times, they're going to lose because he's going to throw interceptions. He's going to make poor decisions, make mistakes. That's going to cost you the game. But if you can give Cook the ball 25, 30 times and limit Cousins throws, it gives you a better chance to win. So if I'm the Vikings, it's run, 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 run. (laughs) And, And if you have to pass it, just hold your breath. Close your eyes and hope that Cousins can make a play. But impressive performance by Cook. The Vikings have got some momentum. They've won a few in a row. Can they get on track here and get back in the playoff picture? Maybe. You know, they, they put themselves up against it being one and five. But, you know, there's seven teams that make it. And so maybe they can go on a roll here. We'll see. Another team in that division, the Bears. <laughs> Remember when they were five and one? And Bears fans were feeling pretty good about themselves. And we called it. You know, said they were fraud at five and one, uh, mentioned their schedule. You know, their first three games or so were pretty easy, playing some of the worst teams in the league. And now three weeks later, here they are at five and four, and their offense looks lost. Their offense is pretty bad. It's one of the worst in the league. Now their defense is pretty good, but it's not good enough to carry them. It's not good enough to make up for the deficiencies the offense has. Five and four. You know, I remember saying at five and one, hey, they're gonna struggle. Schedule's getting tougher, but all they need to do is find about four wins to make the playoffs because of their start. <laughs> I don't know if they have four more wins in them, but I wonder if the if the discussion is being had behind closed doors of, of switching back to Trubisky. You got to get some life into that offense. I mean, Foles is just blah out there, and he's not doing anything to win them games. You know, Trubisky at least can beat you with his legs, you know, and he's been sitting now. He had never been really benched for this many games, so maybe... He's learning some things. He's watching some things. He, he comes in re- rejuvenated. I don't know, but at five and four, 
as poorly as the offense is playing, you've lost three in a row. You're losing ground in the division of Green Bay. You're falling back in the pack in the in the playoff race, which is going to be um, you know a bunch of teams fighting for that. I think you got to make the switch to Mitch Trubisky because nothing's going to change with Foles in a quarterback. Again, both of those quarterbacks are backup quarterbacks, but I think you got to make the switch. And I wonder if it's going to happen. You know, an unfortunate thing happened, and you know, Dak Prescott had a brutal injury, you know, weeks back. But Allen for the Redskins, another quarterback having a gruesome leg injury. Sounds like he's out for the season. What is it with Washington quarterbacks? That's just crazy. I wouldn't want to go play quarterback there if I'm if I'm a, a free agent or something like that or a, a draft pick. But and coincidentally, how ironic that Alex Smith was the backup. Came in, played well, you know, threw almost 300 yards, but he had he had some some costly turnovers. But now he's the guy. Alex Smith is going to be back to starting. It sounds like so. What a story, you know. Almost lost his leg, almost lost his life, hasn't played in over two years, got a l- little bit of action a couple weeks ago, threw his first touchdown on Sunday, and now he's the starter. I mean, the Redskins don't have much to work with, but what a great story. A bummer for Allen, and it's like Joe Theismann back in the day, you know, when Lawrence Taylor broke his leg in one of the most gruesome injuries, and then Alex Smith, one of the most gruesome injuries, and then, you know, the way Allen's knee and ankle, you know, I mean, that was, again, there's something, there's something about being the Redskins quarterback, but... Bummer for Allen, but a cool thing for Smith to maybe get a chance to finish out the season in Washington. You're going to switch over to the AFC here for a little bit. You know, there's no shame in being 6-2, and two, and I think we all know how good Baltimore is, and they're a legitimate threat, but are they concerned about Jackson maybe a little bit? You know, he's still, he, he still can beat you with his legs, but he's not throwing like he did last year, and it's, it feels like teams have, have caught up to him a little bit, and he hasn't adjusted. It feels like teams have adjusted to him, and he hasn't adapted. Can he sit back in the pocket throw the ball, and win games. One, when he gets behind. Two, when he's playing better quarterbacks, you know, better offenses. They beat up on these bad offenses. They beat up on these bad quarterbacks. Jackson hasn't shown throughout the playoffs, playing better teams, and they've lost to Kansas City three times, uh, lost to Pittsburgh this year. When he plays better quarterbacks and better teams, he struggles. They get behind. They can't just bully you like they do these mediocre teams. And so I'd be a little concerned, not that Baltimore's not going to make the playoffs or, or be a threat, but has Jackson maybe taken a step back? Now, the Ravens were 14-2 and two last year. I had them at 12-4 and four in my predictions for this season. There's no way I thought they'd be as good. But I didn't expect Jackson to take a step back like he has. It's like he's taken a step back passing, and Josh Allen has taken a step forward. You know what I mean? So we'll see what happens with them. But can they beat Kansas City? I don't know if they can. They don't match up well with them. You know, Pittsburgh already got him in Baltimore. I know they play again, I think, on Thanksgiving in Pittsburgh. I feel like if Allen plays like he played on Sunday, which... It's hard to do. He, he's not going to consistently play that way, and he hasn't shown it at all throughout his career. I would put maybe Baltimore as the fourth best team in the AFC, and right now I'd put them as the third. I'd put them behind Kansas City and Pittsburgh. So right now I think you have Baltimore at the third or fourth best team in the AFC, which means they're going to be playing on the road. I mean, they're already you know essentially three games behind Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh has a tiebreaker. So Baltimore's going to be playing on the road. Jackson is going to have to improve. He's going to have to improve and start throwing the ball more accurately, throwing it better and adjusting to the game plan when they're losing and playing better offenses. You know, speaking of Pittsburgh, I am not surprised they struggled playing Dallas. I'm really not. I mean, Pittsburgh's 8-0. You just came off really impressive wins on the road against Tennessee and Baltimore. You're due for a letdown. You just saw this coming from a mile away. Dallas was 2-6, and six, but in that division, still in a great spot. You know, they're down to their fourth quarterback. Wasn't surprised to see them struggle. But here's what really good teams do. Here's what really good teams do. You play poor for three quarters. You're on the road, down 19 to nine. And what do they do? They outscored the Cowboys 15 to nothing in the fourth quarter. Poor performance for three quarters. 
and you outscore them 15 to nothing in the fourth quarter and get that win. Now, it was a road game. There were probably more Steeler fans than Cowboy fans. And I, I liked Big Ben's comment after the game saying the Cowboys might be America's team, but we're the world's team because of how many fans we had there. I mean, those Steeler fans are crazy and they travel so well. But again, I was more impressed with the resilience that Pittsburgh showed in the fourth quarter. Listen, it doesn't matter who you're playing. It's tough to come down in the fourth quarter double digit. Come back from being double digits down no matter who you're playing. So nice win for Pittsburgh. And you know, they play Cincinnati and Jacksonville back-to-back weeks. They're likely going to be 10-0. Then they have Baltimore, I believe, at home on Thanksgiving, who they've already beaten, and the Redskins after that. So I think worst case, I think worst case scenario, the, the Steelers are going to be 11-1. Well, that's worst case. They're not losing to the Bengals. They're not losing to the Jags. And they're not losing to the Redskins. 11-1 is worst case, but they could very possibly be 12-0 before week 13. They're putting themselves in a great spot to retain the number one seed or to hold on to the number one seed and get home field advantage, which it'll be the first time with this format. You only have one team getting home field. And, you know, Pittsburgh's always a tough place to play. I mean, their fans always travel really well, but they dominate the stands at home. And, and so, you know, they're looking to hold off Kansas City. I was obviously pulling for the Cowboys <laughs> because I wanted the Chiefs to you know, jump ahead of them. But Pittsburgh has put themselves in a great spot to get home field. But even if they don't, they are an absolute threat to Kansas City and, and making the Super Bowl. I'm going to switch over now, kind of talk about the AFC West a little bit and Drew Locke. You know, I was high on him coming into the season. The little bit I've seen of him, I'm less impressed the more and more he plays. Now, they won last week being down big. And they were down big again and made the score close. I think they were down 21 points in the fourth quarter of the Falcons, scored a couple late touchdowns. I think they were down 21 in the second after the Chargers came back and won the last play of the game. But here's my point. Locke is doing his damage in the fourth quarter when they're down big. He's not providing anything in the first three quarters. You've got to put points on the board in the first first three quarters, and you've got to give yourselves, your team, a chance to win or stay competitive. I mean, he has no touchdowns the last two games in the first three quarters, and I think he has like five in the fourth quarter last two games. Maybe he had a touchdown late in the third quarter against the Falcons. But my point is, he's doing his damage late. And yeah, they won last against the Chargers two weeks ago and lost this Sunday. But you got to be better, man. You, you have to play well all four quarters. And you got to give the Broncos something the first three quarters. It does no good if you throw a couple touchdowns in the fourth quarter, but you're already down by 20 plus points. So he's got to be better. He's got time to show Denver you know, if he's going to be the quarterback or not. I, I don't think the verdict is out on whether he's their guy or not. And, and I'm sure the Broncos aren't certain either. They, you know, luckily for Denver, they have eight games left to kind of prove, you know, where he stands. But I would be considering another quarterback, whether it's a draft or free agency, if Locke doesn't get better. He makes poor decisions, poor throws, and there's times he looks really good. But injuries or not, you got to start running out of excuses. You know, Bronco fans have been quarterback play since Manning, injuries, you know, we're going to be better this year. We had a great offseason. We had a great draft. It's always something, but yet for the fourth or fifth year in a row, you're going to be under 500. So you're running out of excuses, Bronco Nation, as to why your team isn't very good. And the Broncos just aren't very good. I don't care who they have on paper. They're not very good. Injuries aside, yeah, that's a bummer, but it's still 11 on 11. Just because you have more injuries than the other team doesn't mean, you know, they get to play with more guys than you. So I think Denver needs to, uh, to be better. And Elway, Elway, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, he's putting this team together. He's making a lot of the decisions and has a, has a huge say in, in this roster. And so he's got to start taking some blame as well. He's got to start taking some blame as well because they're just not very good. Raiders, Chargers, man, the Chargers found another way to lose, but this time in, in a different fashion. I mean, they've blown so many big leads late in games, but on Sunday, it wasn't a, a big lead that they, they blew. It was they had four, three or four chances from inside the five-yard line and couldn't score. <laughs> I think they had a touchdown. It was reviewed and called back. 
but lost on last play of the game. Just couldn't couldn't get a touchdown. And and for them it doesn't matter. They were what, what were they two and five? Now they're two and six. But it just shows that the Chargers do what the Chargers do. Just crazy. They've now lost four games. They've now lost four games on the last play of the game. You know, Kansas City beat them in overtime on a field goal. Last play of the game. The Saints beat them in overtime on a field goal. Last play of the game. The Broncos beat them on the last play of the game as time expired. And the uh, Raiders, Chargers couldn't score in the last play of the game. So that's four games. We're, what, what are they, eight games in? That's four games now. They've lost on the last play of the game. How crushing and deflating is that as a team, as a coaching staff, as a fan base? I mean, they have like four fans, but all of that. It's just devastating. I mean, that's got to be some sort of record. You've lost four games like that, and you're only eight games into the season for them. So again, it's just the Chargers doing what the Chargers do, and it it just is crazy. It's crazy how they lose. And I, I think Justin Herbert is great. I think he is their franchise quarterback. They have found their guy, but man, they've got to figure it out. And the Raiders, impressive win. I mean, they're five and three, five and three, and they've actually played one of the tougher schedules in the league. I think Houston. Denver, Carolina, and the Raiders, I believe, have played the four toughest schedules or four of the most difficult schedules. So they're five and three. Those other three teams I mentioned have losing records. Now they played Denver on Sunday at home. That's going to be a good game. You know, division rival, those are never easy. I think the Raiders are going to win. Let's say they get to six and three. You now have the six and three Raiders going up against the eight and one Chiefs on Sunday night football. The Chiefs have a bye this Sunday, but they play the following Sunday in Vegas, Sunday night football. What a matchup that'll be. The only team to beat the Chiefs so far. Can the Chiefs get revenge? But for the NFL and for hype purposes, that'd be great. I mean, part of me wants Denver to win on Sunday to white to keep, you know, the gap between Kansas City and, and the Raiders in the division, you know, wide. But I also don't think the Raiders are a legitimate threat to Kansas City in the division this year. So for me, I'm all for go ahead and win, get to six and three, make that Sunday night game in a few weeks even more exciting. Now I, the Chiefs. You know, they play at the Raiders who are five and three and in the playoffs as of right now. They play at Tampa Bay who's six and three and in the playoffs as of right now. They play at Miami who's five and three and would be in the playoffs and at Tampa or at New Orleans who's six and two. So their four remaining road games are against four teams with winning records who would currently be in the playoffs. So that's not an easy stretch of games. So what if the Raiders beat the Broncos, go to six and three, and they beat Kansas City on that Sunday night? Now they're seven and three and the Chiefs are eight and two. Be a lot of buzz. And it would definitely put some pressure on Kansas City. I know the Raiders have a much easier schedule the second half. And they played, again, one of the toughest schedules. They've got their most difficult games out of the way. So they have a much easier schedule than Kansas City. So these next few weeks for them are going to be really interesting. I'm expecting them to beat Denver. But then Andy Reid is like 19-4 and four out of a bye. You know, the Chiefs are going to have an extra week to prepare. They're going to want revenge. I think the Chiefs will beat them on Sunday night. Regardless, it's going to be a heck of a game. And the Raiders, in my opinion, are a legitimate threat to make the playoffs. And I think they will. So I want to go on a little rant here for a second, and the NFL needs to stop these crappy prime time games. You got to stop it. We have Thursday night football. We have Sunday night football. We have Monday night football. We have football three days of the week, which is awesome. Now, the Thursday night football games aren't always the best. You know, guys just played four days prior. It's during the week, you know, and it's usually divisional matchups because they want NFL wants every team to get a primetime game. So they'll put the Eagles, Cowboys, they'll put the Panthers, 49 or Panthers, Falcons, things like that. But when I was growing up, when I was a kid, Monday night football was the cream of the crop. That, that's where it was at. In my opinion, now I enjoy Sunday night football more than anything else. But they've got to stop putting these crappy games on prime time. I mean, we're nine weeks in. The New York Giants have already had three prime time games. And they've, they've played back-to-back prime time games. What the, even if Barkley was playing, they're not a good team. They're not a fun team to watch. You don't want to watch the Giants play. They've had three prime time games in nine weeks already. The Jets have had two. Are you kidding me? 
I, nobody thought they'd be 0 and 9, but so between the New York Jets and the Gi- and the Giants, they've had five primetime games over nine weeks into the season. Who thought that was a good idea? The Jags have played on primetime. The Bengals have played on primetime. This isn't peewee football where everybody gets a participation trophy and an award for playing. Stop putting these games on primetime. Give us the best quarterbacks. Give us the best matchups. Give us the most exciting teams. That's what we want to see. I think the rule is you're, each team is capped. You're only allowed to have five primetime games. And only a few teams get those primetime games. But it's the most exciting teams with the best quarterbacks. Why, why is that a rule? Why would you cap that at five? People love football, and that one primetime game, you have millions and millions and millions of eyes on that game. Give us the best matchups. Give us the most exciting teams. Give us the best quarterbacks. And I understand injuries can happen, especially to big-name quarterbacks that can derail your season, and you were projected to do well and maybe fall off a bit. I understand that. Bengals, Jaguars, Jets, Giants, nobody thought these teams were going to be good. Nobody wants to watch these teams play unless it's, the, it's that fan base. Stop giving us these primetime games. Change your rule. I mean, who doesn't want to watch the best teams play every single primetime game? So drives me crazy. I don't understand it. Whoever's making those decisions needs to stop. And that's my, that's my rant for the week. Now let's get to the Chiefs-Panthers. Save the best for last. That was a stressful game. You know, Carolina came to play. Uh, you know, was Kansas City, you know, looking ahead? Had a bye week. Play the Raiders, the only team that beat them. It's like you work on a Thursday, but you have Friday off because it's a holiday. So you're kind of like checked out. You're half-assing it at work. I feel like that's what the Chiefs are doing. I said earlier, I think McCaffrey is the best all-around back in the league. Man, he came in and, and showed what a difference he makes immediately. And they've got more. Anderson, you know, Samuel's like they're all dual threat guy. Teddy Bridgewater isn't bad. Their line struggles, their defense struggles, but they've got talent. But they came and played really well. I mean, the Chiefs could not stop them on third down, whether it was penalties or not. They could not get them on the field. I mean, the Panthers dominated the time of possession by about 17 minutes. They ran about 16 or 18 more plays in Kansas City. You know, Chiefs were fortunate to win that game. They kind of slept walk in the first half. They were down 14 to three and then down four at halftime. If it was Smith as the quarterback, you, you'd be nervous as a fan. But with Mahomes, you know they're gonna, you're going to have a lot of opportunities to win the game and put points on the board. You know, they're up nine with two minutes to go and you felt comfortable. Panthers go right down there and score. Chiefs have a horrible possession and gives the ball back to Carolina. And they attempt a 67-yarder as time expires. Now, the odds of making a 67-yard field goal are not good. But these kickers, man, their legs are so strong. And you see in warm-ups, now it's different when nobody's rushing and there's no fans. And, you know, there's, the game's on the line, so it's way less pressure. But these guys can make these kicks. They have the distance. It was wide right, but I think... It had the distance if it, you know, if it wasn't so windy out. So they, he could have made that kick. So I was extremely nervous, but still the odds weren't very good. I thought, and if I was the coach, I would have tried for Hail Mary. Gets bobbled around, you catch it, get lucky, or there's a defensive pass interference, and then you get to move way up and try a much closer field goal. So of the two options, I'm glad they went to kick it because I thought they were going to try the Hail Mary and hope for a penalty. But still, you know, whether you win 40 to 10 or win by two, it's still a win. You know, the Chiefs lost the Raiders, played extremely well against Buffalo, got dialed in well against Denver, and played really well against the Jets. So since losing to the Raiders, their last three games, they've been pretty dominant. It's like Pittsburgh, you know, going into Tennessee and Baltimore and winning. You're kind of due for a letdown game. I thought the Chiefs would win by 10 or so, but again, they didn't play very well. Now, here's the thing. Their defense coming into this game was third in scoring D. So their D's been playing really well. Only now Carolina and, and the Raiders have scored more than 20 points on Kansas City. So seven games... Their defense has played really well, and two, they haven't played very well, you know, giving up 40 and 31 points. Now, one game cost them, and it almost cost them on Sunday. They have got to get more pressure on the quarterback. They have got to get more pressure on the quarterback. If there's one concern for me as a Chiefs fan, 
it's that they're not getting pressure on the quarterback. And, you know, that could hurt them as we progress into the season. But no team is perfect. You know, everybody has flaws. You know, the offensive line could play better. There's no doubt about that. They've had some injuries, but every team does at this point. That's going to happen. Again, I think they need to get more pressure. And, you know, with Chris Jones and with Clark, you would think they would get more pressure than they do. I believe they're like the fourth worst in terms of pressure in the league. So there's 27 more teams or 28 more teams that get more pressure than them. It's just that they score a lot of points. Their defensive secondary is pretty good. You know, you've got Honey Badger and, and Thornhill Roman back there. The cornerbacks play well. But when you're not getting pressure, it gives the quarterback more time to find his receivers, gives the receivers more time to break off the route, more time to break off the routes. I mean, it's hard as a cornerback to cover for that long. And so the Chiefs have definitely got to do a better job at putting pressure. And that would be my biggest concern. You know, going back to the offensive line a little bit, they've ran the ball well a few games. I mean, Houston Clyde had over 100 yards. You know, he had almost 200 against Buffalo. Other than that, they're not running the ball very well. In the last two games, they pretty much abandoned the run and just said, hey, we're going to chuck it 40 sometimes. That's okay. Who in the world, what, who doesn't want Mahomes throwing the ball 40, 50 times? Are you kidding me? I mean, Kelsey lights it up, Hill lights it up. It just gives those skill position players a better chance to put up numbers. And it honestly, it helps the Chiefs, it helps their chances to put up points and win. Now you want a more balanced attack. You know, you don't want to be throwing it 85% of the time for the season, but you can do that for a couple of games in a row and, and get away with it. And the Chiefs have done that. So I think in the, in the bye week, you know, they get Schwartz back, their best lineman, they get Sammy Watkins back, Sneed, the rookie who'd been playing well, he should be back. They're going to be pretty healthy. They're going to have a week to prepare. I think they're going to kind of go back to a more balanced attack, but it's nice to know that, shoot, we're not going to run the ball. We can't run the ball. We're just going to let Mahomes chuck it around. And again, him, Rodgers, Wilson, I think are three quarterbacks, you're okay if you throw it 45 times and run it eight times. And that's pretty much what the Chiefs have done the last two games. So it's always a bummer when your team has a bye because it feels like something's missing. So I'm looking forward to the Bills-Cardinals. I think that'll be a fun game. You know, Murray versus Allen should be entertaining. The Cards games are always entertaining, but two of the most exciting quarterbacks in the league. So that'll be a fun one to watch. And then the Seahawks-Rams is a big game. I think that's in uh, LA. And that's a big game. You know, Seattle, if they lose again, they're six and three. They've lost three out of four. The Rams will be tied with them, but actually have the tiebreaker in the division because they're now five and three. Cardinals, depending on what they do, could be six and three. If Seattle loses on Sunday and the Cardinals win, Seahawks are in third place. You'd have the Rams six and three, but they had beaten Seattle. You'd have the Cards six and three, but they had beaten Seattle. You'd have Seattle in third place in that division. How crazy. They were just five and oh and looking like they were going to get home field. I mean, there's a lot of time left and now three weeks later four weeks later could be sitting at third place in the division so that's a big game for seattle looking forward to just being able to enjoy some games this weekend with no stress because my team doesn't play and then we'll get back at it next week